This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap for Saturday, the 19th of November 2022. It is the weekend edition. Marco Flalo's with me. We've got our coffee. We're going to be discussing cryptocurrency. What's not to love? I know, cryptocurrency. Yeah, magic beans. You're listening to Double Tap, the weekend edition, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Mark Aflalo. Hey, Mark Aflalo, how are you today? I'm good. How are you, Stephen? You know what? Uh, I wish people knew what was going on here, but this is our third attempt at doing a show. I'm happy to be here the third time, Stephen. Third time's a charm. Yeah. Do you know, at least the audio is working. That's all I'm bothered about because we're, we're, we're testing out some stuff in the background here, right? And yeah, well, le- well, sort of, yeah. I mean, I can hear you. That's oh, about oh, the hang height on a second. Wait, hang on. Hang on. We're, we're testing stuff up in the background, Stephen Scott says, as he throws a graphic up on the screen. What he oh. really means is that Stephen Scott has gone ahead and reconfigured his entire office and studio again. Yeah. And therefore, he's trying to make things work for the first time again. Um, I, I did something as well, Stephen. I put a shelving unit into my right. DIY? It affected none of my technicals. Wow. No, no, no not even. You well, yeah, hero. kind of DIY. Yeah, well, I had to build... I had to build it, but um, I had so many little cables and adapters and stuff all over the place. Yeah. And in my in my previous office, I had this great tall, 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 but very shallow shelving unit with these little black bins. And I said, you know what? I'm springing for it again. I bought the smaller version because I still need to maintain the integrity of the space, Stephen. The integrity, and I have, yes. So I have half the amount of bins, but I do at least have um, a lot of little things organized now. So you can come in here and you can say, oh, where are the Apple cables? There are the Apple cables, camera batteries. Where is the USB A to C cables? Where are the power bricks? Everything is nicely organized until I run out of bins and have... I give it a I week. I give it a week. It'll be, it'll be an absolute carnage. You'll just no, be I'm throwing trying... stuff in bins all over the place. Here's the thing. I've been in this studio for two years now, over two years since COVID, right? And I've yet to vacuum the floor because I have yet wow. to be able to get to the floor. So here's what I'm dreaming, okay? This is hang my on, Hang on, hang just, on. Just checking in with the uh, CDC or whatever the equivalent of uh, that is uh, around the world. Um, I, I think we may have found COVID-22. It's in Mark's office. Yeah, something just went flying at me. I don't know. There you go. That's COVID. That's COVID twenty two. COVID twenty two just fell out of the ceiling. Um, no, but here's what I'm going to do. Here's my goal. Okay, um, the our good friends over at iRobot have sent me their latest Roomba. Okay, the J seven Plus that it mops and sweeps at the same oh, time. Okay, nice. well, not the same time. It does it. So I'm going to put that up on the main floor. Okay, and I'm going to take the Roomba I have from the main floor and bring it to my office. And that way, if I can clear the floor enough in this four-square-foot office, I will be able to have a clean floor. I have to say, you know, it's, it's important in life to have dreams. And uh, I think, you know, <laughs> it is important to try and realize them. Uh, and I'm glad that you're aiming at that. I wish you is well, this my the friend. Point in time, is this the point in time where you play in the Martin Luther King speech? Like, I had a dream. I have a dream. Uh, that my floor not, was clear I, enough. I have uh, what's called genetic accent syndrome, also known as gas. And um, I, uh, <laughs> every accent sounds the same, but usually they're offensive. So, uh, how's your week? How's your week been? Have you um, been on Twitter? My, uh, I have been on Twitter just because it's entertaining me. You know, I've always been a casual tweeter. Twitter, twit, twit, twit. I like a twit. I've been a, few a casual other variants twit. Of that, but yeah. Um, um, yeah, I, I, I love, I love watching things explode and implode from the inside. <laughs> it's kind of fun. If That's you're why into I love that, Twitter is, yeah. Well, that's the fun is, is to see what people – and it's so funny because, God, a lot of people have opinions and are not scared to share them. Yeah. I wish I was those people. I were those people. I wish I was someone who was just not scared to really say what I feel and worry it was going to come back and haunt me um, because the stuff people spew out, I, I wonder if they even think before they speak sometimes. Yeah. You know what's really interesting? I, I watch a lot of Bill Maher, right? I love Bill Maher, and I watch his yes. show a lot. And um, on his overtime on Friday night, he, you know, he does an extra bit on, on YouTube, and he was talking about being on Twitter, and he said, I got off Twitter, re- you know, like really quickly. I just came off Twitter because I realized that that was the place I'd be cancelled. And I'm thinking, 
this is Bill Maher. This guy doesn't care about being cancelled. He goes on his show every week. He says things that you know horrify a lot of people. He speaks his truth. He speaks his opinion. But he does it, you know, and he's very open, very honest guy. But even he feels that is the place where you'll be cancelled. And yeah. it was really interesting because you this week, I had to put out a tweet in a response to a tweet that came out. Well, we don't need to get into the detail of it. But I had put out a tweet out in response to it. And you came back to me and you said, do you know what? I'd delete that tweet. That's going to haunt us in the future. And I'm yeah. thinking at the time, oh, come on, it's just a joke. And then afterwards I thought... I know that, but you know what? I also knew that. After a while I thought, actually, you're right. That's the thing that someone will pick yeah. up on. They'll turn it against you in the future. Because this is what people yeah, do now. And, Whatever you and, say and, and 10 the, years ago will be raked up and be put in front of you in a court of opinion. And then that's it. Your career's done. And what you say about Bill Maher is actually quite interesting because... You know, he has a TV show. He has a forum to say whatever he wants. But this tells you that even he is somewhat censored on his own TV show. And he's more worried about being canceled by the general public because he has he has a fallback, right? You know, if he, if he doesn't have a TV show anymore, he can go on YouTube. He can go on Twitter. He can say whatever he wants yeah. in, in, in you know, obviously, clearly with limits. Uh, with yeah. limits. Um, but even he is worried about it. And that says a lot about just the culture we live in. And I, you know, it's, it's really, this is the tough part of like raising kids these days. I'm, I used to be, it used to be, you were scared to have a girl, you know, mm. because just because, you know, it just, yeah. it, it was, it was, it was, it was tough. Um, I'm equally as scared to be raising a, a young, a young man because these days it there's no such thing as innocent until proven guilty anymore. No, it's gone. It's gone across across the spectrum, and um, and that's scary. And that's really scary. And I I'm glad that it's so kind of far behind us, even though it's always there in front of us. But it's just it's freaky. It is, I, you know. But I, I was really surprised to hear someone that Bill say that. Because of all the people, I would have thought he would not. I just thought he wasn't on it because he just didn't care for it. Or he gets so much abuse on it that it was just no point being on there. Because I know people who, you know, if you're in the public eye, you go on there, it must just be awful. The amount of hate you must get on a regular basis. And, you know, people people have been saying to me recently, you know, are you going to stay on Twitter? Are you going to come off Twitter? And I made a joke last week about, you know, you know, I, I only go on for the hate. And it's a joke because I'm not a popular guy. And I'm not a, a well-known to that extent. So, you know, I go on there and there are friends of mine who are on there. The people who listen to the show are on there and, and they love the show and they comment. And in, in the main, I get great comments. I get really nice people getting in touch. If I become popular, then I'll be hated across the land. I'm okay with that. That's fine. But actually, there is a point of me that... and Actually, for me, it's a different thing because this week, in particular this week... I kind of felt, I think I'm a little bit addicted to Twitter. I feel like I just can't come off this thing. And I'm sitting here at night during the day, scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling, reading stuff over and over and over and over. And I'm thinking, you know, that way you close the app and then you open it up again <laughs> right away. And you think, why yeah. am I doing this? And, and I actually thought to myself, I think for my own mental health, I've got to come off of here because this isn't actually a good place to be. You know, I'm there because I'm watching it implode. And, you know, it's funny because you go to Mastodon and they're all telling you how wonderful Mastodon is. And then you go to Twitter and it's just a bunch of people talking about how bad Twitter is. Um, yeah. And it's just a really toxic place to be at the moment. And I, I, I really, you know, people say, well, I'm going to come off Twitter. It'll give me back my life. What else are you going to do with that time? You're just going to do something else. You're going to find Candy Crush. <laughs> you know, don't, don't lie to us, right? I mean, you're going to spend time doing something else. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's a really difficult one with social media. And I kind of... I guess part Maybe of me should... kind of hopes out of all of this, out of all of this mess that Elon Musk has created, if Twitter goes down the toilet, and if it does, I don't think it will, but if it does, it might pave the way for a new style of social media. But the fear there, the fear for me is that we end up with silos and echo chambers, and that is the last thing we need. We do Clubhouse. not want another four. <laughs> well, hey, listen, I, I was on, so I went on to Clubhouse the other day. I was actually going to tweet this, and I, I decided not to okay. for whatever reason. But I thought... I went on to Clubhouse, and the, the tweet in my mind was, if you think Twitter's bad, have you spent 10 minutes on Clubhouse? I mean, every single room seems to be in the most controversial place. I mean, as soon as I saw something about the Jews, I thought, I'm out. I'm not for this. Yeah. This is not for me. This is, you know, look, I'm all for free speech, right? But there are laws, 
And there are things that we can and cannot say. And I think the problem is, at the moment, regulation. Um, and who's actually taking charge meaning, of all meaning, this stuff. What, what, meaning you think that there should be regulation? Well, there absolutely should be regulation <laughs> against speech. Of course, there already is. There yeah. are laws against hate speech. There are laws against you know, speech against religious groups. You know, certain expression, whatever. You know, dis- disability, all that kind of stuff. All these protected groups. And that's right. There should be. You know, that's how you... Essentially, con- not control free you know, speech, thing, but it though. does allow you. I think, I think a lot of, I think you're gonna you're gonna come up against a lot of argument with this because of the whole free speech thing, and people want to be able to say whatever they want to say whenever they want to say it. I think what's really missing is humanity. Is really just common sense and humanity. It's people at the end of the day, right? Um, really, exactly, and I think it's just the people. Um, people feel empowered to share these opinions publicly because they find other people that are like them. And this is where terrorism starts, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, but if you allow, like, if you allow people it, to be racist on yeah. a platform, right, and yeah. you allow that to happen, is it better that that person is racist on a public platform as opposed to a private platform where they can say what they like in a little group and no one else knows about it? And, and I don't know, I'd much rather it was out in the open so that you can deal with that individual. You can say, well, look, you've said this, yeah. And until you realise the consequence of your words, the consequences of those actions, and then action is taken against you, maybe that will teach people, maybe that's not the right way to be. Maybe it's not appropriate to say these things. Maybe it's not good to do that. I think that this is the problem. You know, consequence is the biggest issue here. If people yeah. can go on and say whatever they like and there's no consequence to it, that's wrong. Yeah, that's because I'm, really, I'm, not, I'm, I'm on the fence with regulation. I think that... You know the the thing about the internet really well, is it's you know, not a, it's not about fr- yeah it's not about free speech really as much as it's just it's access to information right it's access to the world and it connects you to the rest of the world it's incredibly important for commerce and for just for for global global trade I think it's just phenomenal and access to information is just the absolute top benefit of the internet and this connected world that we live in to be able to you know, virtually travel to places that you weren't able to go. Imagine just with disability, you know, the world that opens up to you, you know. Mm-hmm. I joke about, I'll joke about this, but we were talking about doing a TV show, an episode around um, accessible dating, you know, mm. what apps people have used to connect and, and find their loved ones. And and I pitched the story to someone and the person called me up and to tell you how, you know, the the, the world we live in, they didn't want to write this in the email, nor do they want to use their work phone. But I said, you know what? I was looking this up, and I, I landed upon this this sex toy site that allows you to control a vibrator across the world, you know, yeah. via an internet-connected sex toy. And I know that seems ridiculous in some in some worlds, but just imagine the impact on on people who travel or people with disabilities, et cetera, et cetera. And this stuff wouldn't exist if it wasn't for the connected world that we live in. And some people would argue that this is ridiculous, but some people would argue that it it, you know, keeps people in touch with humanity. And I think without the internet, none of this stuff would have existed. That's all the benefits. But unfortunately, the con list of all these, you know, in insanity and terrorism and, and hate speech is something that I don't think the governments will ever be able to control, but there's got. But this is where the platforms do have that responsibility, right? They have that responsibility. It's hard. It's not a good. You're never going to be right. You're never going to be wrong, right? Mm. But it's well, a hard responsibility Who, to have. Who's responsible? You know? and, and I don't know if there's an answer to that at this point. I mean, I think a lot of people want to put the the onus on the company and say, well, it's Twitter's responsibility or it's Facebook's responsibility. They're in charge of the content, and then I suppose you start to look at this content in a different way. I think that I, I often think the problem is that people don't fully understand how these platforms work. You know, if you think of, and I used to tell friends of mine this who used to live nearby, they had kids, young kids especially, and they'd put pictures up of their kids. I remember one night they put a picture of their kids up. They were in the bath. And I said to the girl, I said, look, if I were you, I just wouldn't put that on a public platform like this. And she said, it's yeah. just for my friends to see and all the rest. And I said, okay, yeah. look at it a different way. Think about Facebook as a local newspaper. You imagine someone coming up to you in the bus, you know, sitting next to you in the bus as you're riding along, and this this, this guy says to you, oh, "I saw the picture of your kids the other day. I really liked it." That's that's the world you've. That's what you've done. You've put your picture in that place yeah. where that person could see that. So and, there was there was a you know, period of time that I was tra- there was a period of time I was traveling a lot a lot more obviously than now, 
And uh, when my kids were really young and my wife would be, you know, put a, giving my son or daughter a bath or whatever, and she'd take a picture of them, waist up, like just, just for fun to send yeah. to me while I was away. And I and I had to tell her later, I'm like, do me a favor, don't don't send me those pictures. Mm-hmm. Don't send them to me. I said, number one, because you don't know what situation I'm in, where I'm at. I could be at an event and my phone's out the table and suddenly someone's taking sending me. They don't know it's my child. Yep. They don't know it's my wife sending me a very innocent picture of my son who's just playing around with a bath toy. Um, so the perception of that could be, oh, my God, look at this pedophile. Yeah. And 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 that's why, you know, I, I look at There's a lot of YouTubers. One YouTuber, Casey Neistat, that I, that I, I followed, he's notorious about he has his kids make appearances on his channel, but you never see their face. You hear their voice, you hear cute things like that. But you just see like the back of the hair or something like that. You'll never see the face. And I think that is because we we have a responsibility, especially as parents, to protect our children's uh, anonymity and identity um, as long as we possibly can and to protect them from all the harm in the world as long as we possibly can. And it's but you know, not it goes further than that, though, right? Because yeah. I come to it from a slightly different view because I don't have kids, right? So I yeah. look at it as everybody has personal responsibility, and that includes yeah. the parents on themselves. So those parents that say, for example, when they find their kids looking at something they shouldn't, oh, well, I didn't know about restrictions, or I don't know how this thing works with all these. And I'm like, that's not an excuse, guys. It's, all, it's really simple. It's all in there. You can figure it out. Do a Google search. You're a parent. You're giving yeah. your child access to the world. And if you don't understand by this stage what's on that internet, even if you've never seen it, then that's that's on you, right? So we've all got to take responsibility on this. And that's, so that's including what we say on, in these public spaces as well. So we're dealing we're dealing with this um, in some way, shape, or form now with my son, who's twelve, who um, loves playing online. You know, he's on the spectrum. He's autistic. Um, he connects better with friends online than he does in person. He has you know, issues socially, um, and so there's a there's a very careful balance of how much do you let him do online and interact with people um, versus protecting him. And he was getting heavily into Discord. Mm-hmm. And he was chatting with friends on Discord, but also chatting with other people he doesn't know about Minecraft, about certain things. And we found out that he was gifting somebody. He wanted to gift somebody some kind of in-game currency or something like that, someone he doesn't know. And that led us down the rabbit hole of really diving deeper into the communication he's having. And there, there was nothing bad like there's no, but we we constantly have to remind him, Zach. You don't know who these people are. Yeah. Yes, this guy says he's in the Philippines and he loves Minecraft, but he could be that that predator that lives down the street who knows exactly who you are. And my kids know, you know, don't don't say your name, don't say where you live, what school you go to. They they know that, and they're very well aware of why they why they do that. But certain things that seem innocent to kids sometimes really aren't and, and and that's why it goes, kind of goes back to us having that responsibility to protect our children and that's why things like restrictions are super important um cloudflare one of these dns services have a kids friendly dns that you can put on your internet connection so that it automatically filters out pornography and certain things like that to a certain obviously yes it's different when you go out and you're not in that dns but there are so many free tools out there to help you manage this Microsoft Family, Apple iOS restrictions. If you're not aware of it, then reach out to us and I'll walk you through it and I'll tell you how easy it is to restrict some stuff because that's our in our power to do that. Yeah, I, and I think that's a great point. And we did talk about this on a recent show. <clears throat> we did talk about this on Double Tap TV. Um, I guess we have to talk. I think we have to talk more about it, I guess. I think we do. I, th- I think we do yeah. because, you know, I, I yeah. think also there, there is a, a definite challenge. I mean, you know, as you know, we talk a lot about the accessibility of things. And there are a lot of blind parents who I'm sure are worried about this because they don't maybe have all the access they would like to the controls. Um, And it's why, for example, recently with with me setting up this new uh, Eero kit from Amazon, I've just been really, really impressed because the app is so accessible. All the restrictions, everything you need to access, all the parental controls are all there in the app. You don't have to go through a website and through this, you know, these ridiculous browser systems to be able to activate you know whatever the thing is because they're, they're very complicated those things um if you buy a tp link router or something you're going to get some challenge there right but if you can go into the app and you can do this 
then it's going to make life so much easier. Google's the same. So we're, we're going to be testing out Google's Wi-Fi Pro kit soon uh, oh, on cool. the show. And because, you know, I said to Google, look, I, I want to compare this, but I know it's going to be accessible because Google put yeah, the work course. in to make it accessible. Yeah. So I, I, would, I would argue, I might even, I hope I'm right, but I think that the Google setup will maybe be even more accessible than the Amazon one. Not that it's not, an ex- not I mean, it's fully accessible, but it's just... There are certain aspects of the app that are not perfect. Um, so I'll be keen to to try that out. But it, it is so important with a lot of this stuff, don't and for ourselves as well, just making sure our data is safe and making sure our systems are safe because it's, it is a dodgy world. I mean, I remember someone talking once about um, graffiti in Glasgow where I live, and yeah. um, they were noting that the amount of graffiti, it used to be a city, that, and most cities are, right? You get people who go up and... Graffiti bridges and trains and whatever else, right? It's yeah, I still love to figure out how they do all that. <laughs> I know it's, it's, some of it's pretty impressive. I mean, some of these people should be artists. But what's been the case since around about 2018 is that that amount of graffiti, once it was washed away, was never returning. People weren't going back and graffitiing the walls again. And it was because they were all online. I mean, doing God knows what, <laughs> but <laughs> they were all online. And... I just think it's it's really interesting, you know. It's just it's been really interesting. But I, I think that the obviously the whole Twitter thing carries on. I mean, you know, I don't really know what's going to happen out of this. Nobody does, but you know, he's got rid of so many people. He's you know getting rid of contractors this week five thousand five and a half thousand contractors. Um, is it just a case of he's trimming the fat where he thinks it needs to be and, and rebuild the company from scratch? Or because I don't, he, he's got a bigger view here, right? He's got a bigger view on how this is going to. I mean, he doesn't just want Twitter to be a place where you go and put up your cake recipes. I mean, he wants people to be banking on there. He wants to be making this a much bigger platform than it is. But Listen, is it I think in, in most cases, when it comes to Elon Musk, um, uh, we don't understand or know what his vision is until it's come to fruition or it's pretty close to where it is. He's not a dishonest person. He's not. He doesn't really hold his cards too close to the chest. But he's also not a very socially out there person. He's not John Legere from T-Mobile who's out there and constantly ramming, you know, his message home. So no one really knows unless you're in his probably, you know, inner circle what his plans are. I think there are a lot of things he's just trying to see what's going to work and what's not going to work. But when it comes to trimming the fat, you know, take the I just bought this company out of equation. I mean, Amazon's laying off 10,000 employees this week. Um, you know, a lot of companies, Google shuts down businesses left, right, and center and lays people off, yep. contractors and employees. When you walk into a company and you buy a new company that is clearly misguided or a company that has problems, you need to get to the root of that. And sometimes that's physical manpower that just has to go. And you have to bring in new culture and you have to scare people. Yeah. Stick around because I want to talk about crypto with you. Um, You'll understand this more than I ever will. So we're going to talk about the big story of the week, which is crypto. That's coming up next on Double Tap. Send us your feedback to feedback at doubletaponair.com. Leave us a voicemail at 1-877-803-4567. You're listening to Double Tap. This is Double Tap. Now, back to the show. So we're talking today about, well, everything, frankly. Uh, but I wanted to talk to you, Mr. Afalalo, about crypto. Because uh, the big story of the week is, of course, this um, FTX, which I have to be honest with you, I've got no idea what FTX is. Um, I've no real understanding of cryptocurrency. And I was kind of hoping you would explain it all to me. So please explain oh, oh, this. great. Yeah, uh, money missing, crypto gone. So FTX <laughs> is an exchange. FTX is a crypto exchange uh, that was started in 2019 uh, in the Bahamas. Um, red flag number one. <laughs> red flag number one, Bahamas. Not not much regulation when it comes to money. Um, <clears throat> the, the This is the history. This is the timeline that I'll, I'll read to you here, okay? So in 2019 May, former Wall Street trader Sam uh, bankman Freed and ex a Google employee uh, Gary Wang founded FTX and FTX.com, a cryptocurrency exchange. In July 2021, so we're talking about uh, two years later, 
$900 million of funding valued the company at $18 billion. So someone invested $900 million. September of that year, 2021, FTX signed a sponsorship deal with Mercedes Formula One. In October, they raised capital, bringing the valuation up to $25 billion. 2022, earlier this year, uh, their U.S. arm was valued up to $8 billion after raising $400 million in its first funding round from investors, including SoftBank and Temasek. So they've raised a lot of money from a lot of big companies, which normally instills a lot of confidence in an exchange. The problem with crypto is stuff happens, and no one knows why stuff happens. And, and and the result is, uh, fast forward to today, and uh, FTX has commenced bankruptcy proceedings in the U.S., and its CEO, um, Sam Bankman-Fried, has resigned because um, money is gone. Money has uh, disappeared. They're saying anywhere between $1 and $2 billion has disappeared, completely disappeared from the actual exchange. Uh, they're not sure where it went. They know that uh, Ukraine was weighing and banking heavily on this exchange to raise money for their for the ongoing war that they're dealing with in the Ukraine. We know that uh, over $100 million magically was donated to a de- Democratic campaign in the U.S. during these midterm elections, um, and suddenly all this money is gone. And guess what? It's wow. crypto, and it's based in Bahamas, and people have very little recourse, if any, whatsoever. When you say the money's gone, are we talking actual money here? <laughs> That's the bit I can't well, get my head around. Are we talking there crypto appears, money? Are we talking yeah, real money? Well, no, but but there is actual money because there were major investors. If if I go down to the list here right. of some of the investors who actually gave money, okay, since 2019. So, so people have put uh, their money in to invest actual in crypto. Cow, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. Tiger Global Management, Innocent Investment Advisors, uh, Redlines, Lightspeed Ventures, um, which is a Google-backed venture, Consensus Labs, Capital Management, um, SoftBank, uh, I, mean, I mean, tons of different companies gave actual cash, if not other you know, ways of investing in this, which, of course, brings up the value of crypto. Mm. And it appears uh, we'll probably see a movie about this in five years from now. <laughs> um, but but, you know, this was in January of this year, FTX was valued at thirty two billion dollars. Wow. And now all of it's gone. And it's hard to figure out why, because crypto is so unregulated. Um, and, you know, they've turned the company over to a restructuring specialist who's going to be handling the liquidation. Um, the same guy who, who handled the liquidation of Enron, one of the largest bankruptcies in history. I mean, this is this is not not boding well to the crypto market and the crypto exchange in general. So yeah, this is kind of what I wanted yeah. to go with this because I, I think there's a lot of people who are. I, I see friends of mine who are online talking about this all the time. They're like, "Oh, you know, the crypto thing," and you know, I'd quite like to get in that and you know, make some money or invest. And I just feel it's like buying magic beans. I just don't see what you're buying. Does it ever appreciate in any value? Is it just too early for all this? Is that the problem? Are we just too early in the yeah, day? There, there are. There are people who have made billions and millions of dollars um, off of Bitcoin because of that incredible spike. I mean, Bitcoin still to this day is trading at somewhere around $20,000 a coin. I mean, I could probably have BTC value. Um, yeah, $22,559.23 Canadian. At one point, that was worth nothing. It was pennies. So right. there are people who made tons of cash on Bitcoin, and they but saw that as the crash. example— I could just crush Well, I mean, up. listen, you know, the people who made tons of money are when they kept it. And back in January of this year, it was you know, $60,000. It was right. worth $60,000 and now it's worth twenty. So if you had, I don't know, do, do a quick calculation. If you had 100 Bitcoin way back when, okay, and that skyrocketed to $60,000, okay, that's $6 million in your pocket. And if you're like, okay, well, that's insane, you know, I'm not going to cash out. This is only going to get better. And that, and that, and that six, <laughs> and that, and imagine that hundred suddenly became twenty thousand. Well, yes, okay, you still have two million dollars, which you didn't have before, but that could have been six. <laughs> so, yeah, See, that's I mean, a big I'm, loss. I'm, I'm kind of trying not to be too down on it because it feels to me, in some ways, like it's just like the stock market in general, right? Companies trade up, these trade down. You but know, the values are insane. The low. values are way larger. That's the difference, it's, right? The value and it's change not, is and massive. 
Yeah, and it's not, and it's not based on anything physical. It's not like, oh, I'm going to go buy, you know, Shell because I know they produce oil. You know, I'm not going to mm. go buy this mine because they actually mine for physical gold and silver and diamonds. Like, there's actually something physical there. I can, I can go up to their to their company and see what they're doing. Crypto's like it's 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 literally vapor. So, what is influencing the the change in value? Everything influences the change of value. Everybody, what Elon Musk says on a daily basis influences the change in value. What someone spends on a on on a crypto influences the value. I mean, everything that you could possibly think of. A bird farts in California. It could influence the value, and I'm not joking. Like it's for some reason that it is that ridiculous. Um, and you know what? I, I I'm I'm talking from an education point of I don't know. Let's say five percent when it comes to this stuff. I will seek out an expert to maybe try and answer those questions for us, but I don't think the answer is going to be any different than than what I just told you. Oh, crypto's up now. It's now twenty two thousand five hundred fifty dollars. <laughs> it just seems wild to me. I mean, I, I, I kind of was intrigued by it, but I, then I was hearing you talking about it, and then I was reading the, the larger stories about you know people's experiences, and then of course this latest example. Although I think this seems to have more, although it's hard to know, but there seems to be more going on behind the scenes than just change of value, right? I mean, there's something else going on here, and we may never find out what it is or how it happened, but um, you know, clearly investments where money was flying around and. You know, whether someone emptied the till into their pocket, I don't know. Um, who knows? <laughs> we may never I got know. a question for you. I got a question for you. Great segue, okay? Go on. Have you tried the emergency SOS feature on the new iPhone 14? Not intentionally. <laughs> it just came out. It just came out on Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday morning, they released a press release saying the emergency SOS feature is available on the iPhone 14 line. I really want to test it. I don't know how to do that without getting into trouble. Are we talking the crash detection? Are we talking... No, no, the satellite SOS feature. Like oh, the lost in the woods. You're it. lost in the woods, and so they're going to send you a helicopter. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I really but, want to but test not this, really, but I don't not, know. Yeah. I want an Apple helicopter to come pick me up. That's what I mean, I, that would that would actually. Do you know what? If anything was going to get me moving in life, it would be the idea that I could get lost in the woods and an Apple helicopter Apple comes helicopter. and picks me up. Tim Cook himself will come yeah. rappel down and take you out of a, of a cavern. The the best part about the press release was. Um, you know, connection and response times may vary by location, site conditions, other factors. No way. Really? <laughs> if you are in a ditch in yeah. the middle of the desert, uh, we may have a trouble reaching you very quickly. Um, yeah. So I, I'm going to try to figure out if there's a way we can test this. It's um, That's all I got. Yeah. <laughs> it's fascinating. I, I mean, I must admit, my, my story... That was that my I, segue I, away from... <laughs> We, you just wanted to get away from that story. You're like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I just wanted to get away. I, from I have no more to say on this. Like, yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about a company. I think it's Aquara or Aquara. I'm not sure how you would pronounce mm. it. A Q A R A. This is this is my kind of level. Uh, their new smart feeder, uh, which can feed your cat or dog on a schedule, or you can tie it into other home uh, smart home gadgets and feed it with a voice command based on motion or when the animal taps the ball. Um, so even your even your don't laugh. My dog, dog my dog has a out. bell on the back door, and, and she rings the bell when she wants to go out. Really? Yeah, we've trained wow. her to do that. I yeah. want my so, dogs to do that. So Akara, okay, so Akara, Akara um, okay. Uh, been around for a long time. There's a smart home platform. They have motion sensors and a hub and all this stuff. And the reason that I got into Akara stuff was because they're HomeKit compatible. So if you get their cub, uh, you can suddenly add things that weren't previously available, like motion sensors, temperature sensors, and all this stuff around your home. So one little hub allows you to kind of bridge the gap to various sensors that didn't exist. The smart feeder, listen, I was joking the other day with my daughter. She's like, oh, we're going away for a day. Can we leave the dog home alone? I'm like, we, we could. My dog is actually trained to go on a pad in the house. But she has anxiety, so she'd probably freak out when, you know, 14 hours later are no adults around. Yeah. Um, that being said, people leave their cats home all the time. Like, I mean, cats yeah. do their business. There, cats don't no care, though. Cats just are like, you know what, get out of my life. They want you to go. Dogs want you to stay. Cats are just like, please just leave me alone. I have cats a shed leave. to sit on. I just want it, you know, I want it. A lot of people have wondered that question. Why has there never been guide cats? And you think, well, you would spend an awful lot of time sitting under cars. Uh, then automatically being yanked across a road and then, you know, sit on the other side of the road for the next three days. 
and then on top of a shed. And that's pretty much a cat's life. And it's happy with that. Yeah, I get that. I mean, I, listen, uh, you know, let a cat be a cat. <laughs> exactly, you know. I, I wanted um, to ask you, because I know you've been uh, playing with the Meta Quest Pro. Has has the kids have the kids taken it now, or are you still... No, I'm not letting them touch it. I keep telling them it's a business tool. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you can get teams on it. Right, okay, so it's officially a business tool. <laughs> they don't know what they don't know. Don't hurt them, okay? They've got the okay. Quest 1 and the Quest 2 upstairs. They're happy with it. Oh, um, yeah, this one's my business tool. Uh, yes, I've been having a lot of fun with it. I've been having fun kind of playing with my desktop and testing limitations. Not much else to really do with it at this point, so I'm, I'm kind of hanging on to it and going to see what evolves, but... I think I'm over it. <laughs> Are you playing games on it? Are you doing it's still, you know, I've I've played some of the Beat Sabers and stuff like that just to see what the quality is like. And the quality is pretty good, and the the processor's good, and it's responsive, and it's all all fun and dandy. Um, I think the biggest downside with any device like this is just the size, the sure physical size, and the battery life. Like a two hours of battery life. Um, it's comfortable for you know a good half hour, and then you got it. Like, why is this mm. thing on my head? Um, so I, there is this novelty and I think until they're just a pair of sunglasses, you know, like you throw in your face, like any other pair of sunglasses that we're just not going to see mainstream adoption of this, even, I mean, put price point aside, you know, I mean, $2,200 Canadian is an expensive price point to pay for something like this. If I'm using it maybe on a daily basis and I'm collaborating with people on architectural designs and stuff like that, sure, maybe there's a use case for it, but for me, other than, you know, the excuse of, of being in the tech world. Um, I think it's got its limitations. I'm curious to see what the what the expectations were versus the sales. I'm mm. sure there was a nice spike at the beginning, but I doubt it met expectations. Yeah, that's a that's a great question, actually. Yeah, what's the difference here between the two? Because, you know, look, I mean, it's, to me, really interesting. I want to ask you, though, when you wear it, because I've got the Quest 2, I think, and I got it as yeah. a bit of a... It was a bit of a laugh more than anything else. I thought I'd try it, see how it went. And it was okay for me. Not brilliant, but it was okay. But what I did find was after a period of time, it was so hot on my head. I felt that, you know, my head was going to explode with the heat. Because it's more open a design, I know you can choose to add blockers to it so you can block out more light. But because it's got that open yeah. design, is it a little bit more comfortable in that sense? You don't feel... Yeah, no, it's definitely, it's better balanced on the head. It's not front heavy. It's not, You're not just the mask, holding on. You know, it's not that. No, exactly. No, no, it's not. It doesn't, it doesn't like create this almost like suction, like goggles feeling on mm. your face. It really does seem a little bit more open. That being said, I can definitely see a case where something like the HoloLens might even feel better because you're literally seeing through um, clear, you know, glass versus just seeing the outside world via screens. So even your outside world doesn't look really that normal. And this is where the augmented part of augmented reality, I think, was really going to take form. Because if you're looking through just a regular pair of glasses and somehow they manage to project stuff into your field of view, that makes it kind of interesting. This is just not, I don't see the longevity here. Mm. Yeah, I know. And this is this is the issue with all of this stuff. And, you know, interesting this week, we've heard from Apple. Well, we haven't heard from Apple directly, but we've heard rumors that Apple are getting ready to announce and launch something. Reality OS version 1 is yeah. pretty much ready to go, apparently, according to the rumours, and we will see a product early 23. Uh, Apple are going to therefore create their own metaverse, it would appear, and they want you to join it. Because this is the thing about metaverse, right? It's kind of like it's company-specific. So you'd have the Facebook metaverse or the meta metaverse yeah. or the Apple metaverse or whichever one. And it's funny because we often say whenever Apple does something, you know, it's like, oh, well, Apple's doing it, so it'll be done properly now. Um uh, will that be the case of the metaverse here? I I, I don't know. I mean, hmm. who knows until that happens, right? Again, it's got to have that function to it. What are we going to do with it? I think that's often the thing. It's, I feel like with my Apple Watch, I love my Apple Watch. And then I think to myself, yeah, you know what? It tells the time. But so do other watches. Here's something interesting. You know, the, everybody has these characters. Like, the way that Meta or Facebook is doing the metaverse is everybody has an avatar and you're in this cartoon world. I have the feeling that when Apple releases something similar, it's not going to have that cartoony kind of playful feeling. And I think the technology is just like portrait mode, for example, on the iPhone. And their ability to use computing and AI and machine learning to decipher the foreground from the background. And therefore, in this context, in being able to have a meeting with a bunch of people that seem like they're in the room, 
they could theoretically use that technology to to get rid of the background behind you and make you look like you're just floating kind of in space with someone and see what the person looks like and not just a character or a emoji of what the person might be. That's too playful for an Apple product. I think, I think so. Apple's product, I think so. I think Apple's product has to be more real world realistic and more just mapping augment, augmented reality on top of the real world without crappy cameras in the way and stuff like that. I think it has to be kind of what HoloLens, the blend of HoloLens in a smaller package. I don't think these renders we're seeing of this Quest-like virtual reality device are real. I don't think that's what it's going to be. It can't be. It I think be. what you're talking about sounds more like something Microsoft would do. You know, everything, I always say, you know, whatever you think of Microsoft, it just, whatever it is, imagine it's wearing a suit because that is pretty much Microsoft. It's a business thing, right? So it would be more, you know, you're not going to see dancing emojis and, you know, whatever else in, in the middle of a Teams meeting. That just doesn't make sense to me. Not, Although, but Apple's not, they don't, I mean, I think when, you know, the second you do something like these avatars and, and all this stuff, I think at that point you're, 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 you're bringing yourself down a level to almost childlike, you know, and it's a little bit too playful. Well, I, I don't agree. Think, I agreed like, with you. Actually, like, up until a doing. I, well, I agree with you up to the point oh. when I was watching the meta event <laughs> and something was said that really stuck in my mind. It really, this kind of made me think again about this whole emoji thing and or emoji thing, whatever it is, avatars, because I, I was like you, I thought this is all very kid-like. I, I don't really, this isn't me sitting there in a meeting, you know, discussing finance about something as I'm, you know, sitting here like a T-Rex. Just doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but then they were talking about the idea that somebody who just doesn't want to be on camera, who just doesn't like the idea of being on camera, who hates this whole thing, who doesn't feel comfortable with their appearance, can essentially create their avatar in whatever style they want and then make themselves able to join in in that platform with that style. Um, makes them feel more comfortable. And I, I, that kind of made me okay. think, actually, there's something in that. There is something in that that says, okay, this is crossing between, this is just a childish gimmick, to actually something that could really empower some people. But don't you think there's a, there's a cross-section, there's some kind of middle ground there? You know, there, whether you have the choice, you can choice to choose to be just yourself. I think that's and important. And let it, let it yes. use, yeah, let it use the technology to separate you from your background and make you appear in the metaverse or appear in, in the meeting or whatever you're in, or choose to use your emoji or your or your avatar. I think that everybody, I think that there'll be this blend, but I think the presentation is not going to be as cartoony. That's where <laughs> I, I think it's just, it can't be. I, I would start to feel, uh, just at that point, I would start to feel for all the beautiful people out there. Those people who spend, you know, forever getting their makeup done and their hair done and all the rest, and suddenly they're replaced by a cartoon face, and you think yeah, all this effort of... for nothing. Okay, but hang on. What you're describing though is suddenly where my brain starts to click on NFTs. Mm. Think about the brands in the world. Okay, the Levi's, the the Gap, the Louis Vuitton, the the Hermes of the world who suddenly can make digital items that you can wear on your emojis. You can dress yourself in that latest Michael Kors shirt yep. and you'll pay for it. You will pay for that. And it is literally a picture that they draw and say, this is ours. This is where NFTs start to make sense to me. Yeah. In this online virtual world, you want to stand out and Our people are going to make products for you to do that. Our TV satellite company in the UK did some. This just makes me think about this because you, um, you you kind of strike this. So you know the idea of buying the NFT is so you buy that Levi's shirt or jeans or whatever, but you would get the physical product as well. And this is what our TV provider did here to get people used to the idea of downloading film. They would say you can buy and keep the film, and you'll be able to download it onto your you know set top box, but we'll mail you a copy of the DVD as well. So people felt they were getting something physical. Even though they could just actually, they would probably never use the DVD. They would probably just throw that in the pile and, you know, just watch it off the telly whenever they wanted. The fact is that it, it kind of gave them that sense of that that sense of getting something physical. And I think this is kind of what will happen with the NFT thing. I think you'll buy a T-shirt and initially, anyway, you'll get a code, a QR code or something on it. And you can just go off and download the NFT exclusive to that particular product. And then in time, you'll just buy the individual NFT. And that's I think, an interesting, I think that's you know, where it'll end up. 
that's an interesting that's an interesting thought because that's a, a real easy simple way to get people to start thinking that way yeah it's transition right it's you're, you're never going to get them to well, do it. if you said to me look you can buy a pair, a, a, this this t-shirt I'm wearing today. I mean, why would you want to? But well, if you wanted to buy this t-shirt today in an NFT, I'd be like, oh come on, that's ridiculous. But if you transition, well, I remember when I first to, started buying, when I first started buying Blu-rays and DVDs, you know, yeah. I didn't care about the digital version. I just scanned it in here. Suddenly, I have the digital version. Absolutely. Nowadays, I don't care about this hardware hard version anymore. <laughs> I can right. get there. Interesting. Interesting. Can I? I know we don't have much time left. I want to throw something out there. Mm. Um, there was an interesting piece I saw in CNET. It was a, 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 I guess a video, like a 10 minute video about why I switched to the iPhone. And it was a great kind of historical look back at why people switched, what devices they were using before. And that got me thinking about an episode of the TV show that we want to do, which is basically what's in your drawers. We want you guys at home. We want you at home to, to open up that junk drawer. And I want you to videotape yourself doing this. Take your phone and just record yourself doing it and show us all the crap that's in there and pick something out (laughs) that brings you back to some kind of time, some moment in life where it's just it's just one of those timeless occasions where it's like, oh, my God, I can't believe I still have this. And I, I have a bin. I have tons of bins of, with stuff like that. And I know you do at home. Oh, yeah. Um, so 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 do start thinking about that. Think about that junk drawer. Maybe you want to clean it out. Maybe you got something in there like, you know what? I got that Victor reader from who knows when. Um, and record yourself and send it to us. It's a feedback at doubletaponair.com. We want to hear your stories. We want to see your video of you doing that so that we can feature it on a future show. Yeah. I mean, there must be so much stuff. I actually think the one thing that's missing, and I'm not suggesting we do it because we have no way to make this happen logistically, but there really should be a swap shop, some some way of saying, I've got this and you have this and just swap it. You know, it doesn't have to be like a purchase, although you could sell, I suppose, but you could do like a swap thing. Most people have got things in their house they don't need anymore. And if someone else needed it, you know, you and I, we do this a lot. I'd be like, okay, I'm done with it. I'll send it to a friend or I'll send it to you or I'll send it to whoever, because that's how it, it works. What happens in my house is people just come over and I'm like, oh, they, they mentioned they like something. I'm like, oh, I got one of those. Here, have it. Yeah, to that. <laughs> Actually, that's it was what happened when you came to Canada. <laughs> exactly. Like I came back with a, two suitcases. I only intended to come back with one. But it was funny because when I was talking to the Google guy the other day, uh, and you know he'll be listening to this and know exactly what I'm talking about, but we were having a chat about the, the idea of you know the Wi-Fi Pro, and he was saying, well, because I work from home, a lot of my products that I'm testing are at home. And he said, if I can send you some stuff, that will make my wife happy because it will clear out some space. And I'm saying, well, do you know what? You send me anything you like. I said, but here's the deal. Make sure our wives never meet. Yeah, exactly. Because they'll compare notes. <laughs> It'll screw the whole thing up. Um, but no, that's a, that's a great that's a great feature. Uh, you know, speaking of, uh, you mentioned luxury accessories earlier. Um, I've always always looked at, you know, what is a good luxury accessory when it comes to the iPhone and, and the kind of general Apple products. And mm. there's a brand that's came out, or I, I guess it's been out for a while, called Nomad. Yes, I love Nomad stuff. I have never experienced such joy in an online store in a long time. And I was thinking to myself, okay, this looks cool because they have a an Apple Watch band for the Ultra, which is titanium. And I thought, oh, that's lovely. And then I, you know, I'm obviously going through it and I'm reading all the information on voiceover. So the, the price is near the add to basket button, right? So I'm getting there and I'm getting there and I get to the price. $299 for the band. I but mean, it's titanium, wow. Stephen. I know, and there was a there was a stainless steel version. But you know what really annoys me about the stainless steel version? It's not titanium. So I thought yeah, I'm going to have to I buy the titanium one now. Yeah, I think you're going to have to do it. You're going to put it on your Apple Watch Ultra. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I is, think- I I don't know. Is this a kind of silver color or a light dark silver? I don't know what that is. The titanium. They have two. They have a silver titanium and a black titanium. What the Apple Watch Ultra? Oh no, no no sorry you were talking about Nomad no the it is it's like a silver it's like a silver uh, aluminum like brushed aluminum type color so it's like uh, the it's like the standard silver MacBook okay so it's going is it going to go though that's the question right it's going to it's going to look um, right the black will look kind of off off with it but, mm. but I mean it really depends on the hinge sometimes like sometimes the hinge will still be the silver but then it goes into the black but I mean you accessorize this stuff it's meant to be accessorized. Yeah, I've got to say, some of these watch bands you get with the Apple Watch Ultra, the, the new ones, I actually bought another one. I've got two now. 
And um, I just, I really couldn't get my head around <laughs> you. And I remember on the on the call, me, you trying to explain to me how this thing works. I just could not figure out oh, how to God, connect yeah, this the, thing the Alpine Loop. Are you still enjoying the Apple Watch Ultra? I think it's a great watch. I mean, it's brilliant. I, I don't use it to what it needs to be used for. I mean, I tell the time on it. I read a couple of messages. I mean, it's not, I'm not hiking up mountains or doing anything particularly wonderful with it. I kind of need more suggestions on things to do with this, I guess. But, yeah, you know, that's the problem with it. I'm not, I'm not out that much, so I'm not, you know, mountaineering. I mean, I go up and down my stairs in my house, if that counts as mountaineering. Uh, but, the, you know, now, they're pretty decent stairs. Were you aware that if you take your two fingers and you hold them on the bottom, it tells you the time? I'm trying to do it right now, but of course... Take your two working. fingers and put them at the bottom. So if you take your two when, fingers, I, when I do it, it's obviously it's voiceovers on, so it just immediately speaks the time when I tap the screen. So this no, is not voiceovers, not on... Here, let me do it now here. Two fingers. 8.58 a.m. So mm. someone calls me up, one of these people who just call you up and ask you all these tech questions, and said, why is it doing this? I'm like, well, it sounds like an accessibility feature to me. Let me do it on mine. And I did it on mine. I'm like... 8.58 a.m. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. That was a thing. So they brought it into the Apple store, and, and no one at Apple knew that it did that. I no, no one idea. in the store realized that. And obviously you're not running I, voiceover, right? So that's just, that's just no. running regular. Yeah, and it's interesting because I would think that if my watch was on silent, that if I did that, I'd want it to kind of like it'd be a nice quiet way to tell yourself what the time is. But it's kind of pointless if your watch is on silent. And it's not really a quiet way because it's actually speaking it. Yeah. It'd be cool if it, if it vibrated, if it gave you haptic, like, you know, first it did the hour and then it did the minutes. I've got to do the settings cool. on that one. Uh, yeah. Listen, we're out of time. But listen, thank you for that no. this week. It's been a lot of fun. And um, thank you for trying to make some sense of crypto for us because I honestly, I, I, I feel I know it a little bit more now. So I'm, I'm glad I of don't that. think I succeeded. But uh, no, I think you oh, did. Just one, I think you did. One last note Steve Jobs' old sandals sell at auction for $218,000. I didn't put a bid in, I promise you. Uh, listen, we're back on Monday. Have a great weekend, guys. Thanks for listening. Love Double Tap. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor. Do you know where I